Welcome to Make and Decorate, a podcast for makers who love to sew, quilt, and decorate. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Make and Decorate podcast. I am Stephanie, your host. And uh, what, yeah, this is uh, almost the middle of November. The last time we chatted, it was the end of October. So I have a good show for you guys today. It is the Sewing Machine Show, which I have been talking about. Uh, so I've put a ton of time and research into this episode because I want to present you with the best information that I is possibly available. So I'm really excited about that. But first, let's just uh, continue to chit chat from my windy studio. It's so windy today. We have actually wind warnings um, that's going to be on for like, I don't know, 10 hours. <laughs> We're going to have wind warnings. But um, and then it's going to rain. So this is the first um day of weather that we've had, you know, anything inclement. We just finished a whole like seven, eight days of unseasonal, warm, beautiful temperatures here in Chicago. We had like these eight days of plus 70 degrees. And it, a lot of the days it was like 76 degrees, sunny, beautiful, no humidity, gorgeous. I mean, everyone around here was taking full advantage of it. Uh, and including me. And I, I got outside as much as I could. I took Cooper to the dog park almost every day. And so it was everyone else there. There were so many dogs. They're so cute. Uh, and the dogs, they're, they also get very happy when the weather is good. Um, and, and Cooper doesn't like to be cooped up, <laughs> pun intended. Um, for very long. So he he really, it's funny because the weather definitely affects me. Um, but it affects, I see it affecting Cooper sometimes if he, if we can't get him out. Um, like if it's, if rains three days in a row, then I can, I can tell that he's really like feeling the doldrums of, of not being able to, to get, get out. Uh, but not this past week. No, it's been great. Oh my gosh. And it gave me a chance last weekend to close down our deck and prepare it for winter. Um, so I was really thankful for that because I really thought that I lost my window of nice weather. Um, I can remember there was like a year, uh, several years ago where we waited way too long <laughs> And we're out on the deck with like an inch of snow out there, freezing, trying to put everything away, get stuff covered up. So since that time, we've really been kind of good at doing this. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this year we're doing it again. It's like November. But no. Oh, we were, we were blessed with just such great weather. I'm really happy about that. All right. So let's talk a little bit about sewing, quilting and creative things and stuff I've been working on. Uh, I, I finished uh, the table topper uh, commission project that I had. It turned out so pretty. I'm going to put a picture of it in the show notes and um, hopefully I can get a photo of it actually um, placed on the client's table um, in an actual, you know, setting. But I just have photos of it in my workroom as it's done. I did a double trim treatment, which consisted of a 
um, micro welt that I made uh, from the fabric that it's on the back of the table topper. So that brought that fabric and um, pop of color to the front of the table topper. And then layered, that was layered on top of a really beautiful uh, scallop uh, trim. Um, so two trims and um, a, kind of a square shaped table topper. Really, really beautiful. And I love how it turned out and she loves it too, which is what really counts. And then um, I just went in and started the next project for her, which is a table runner um, made from leftover fabrics from these uh, Liberty fabric napkins that I made her earlier in the summer. And I decided to do um, a Dresden plate design so that it showcased all of those fabrics together uh, and coordinates really well with um, all of these different napkins. Uh, so I did one block. I'll post that on the show notes as well. It's so cute. Um, but of course, I don't know why. I always choose things that are so <laughs> time consuming and... Um, you know, you think I would ever just do like a simple half square triangle or a just a square patch design? Uh, no. But um, anyway, I, it's really though pretty, and you you get into this rhythm. So the rest of the um, the rest of the blocks that I have to do, I have to do four more dressed in plate blocks, and those I will do a little bit more in a an assembly line type of a fabrication where, you know, you don't just make one block at a time, making components of each block together. Um, and I think it makes the process go a little bit faster. But now I know what I'm doing. I wasn't sure. So I was just kind of like testing it out and it looks beautiful. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's currently on my work table. Speaking of the commissioned projects that I've been working on there for this one client um, who is also a dear friend of mine, uh, and she just published a cookbook. It's a cookie cookbook and it's available on Amazon. So I want to tell you guys about it and I will put the link in the show notes. It's a very nice gift uh, to give for the holidays and um. It's written by Mary DeSoma, and the cookbook is called A Gift of Cookies. So it's a huge 300-page cookbook, and it's all cookies in here. And um, she has been making cookies forever. She Every year, everybody wants to be on Mary's cookie gift list <laughs> because she will make tons of cookies box them up really beautifully. And they're like probably 20 different types of cookies in there and beautiful. And so, you know, the everybody wants like to be on that list to get a box of cookies from Mary. And I'm not talking like just plain sugar cookies, chocolate chips. She makes really intricate cookies and um, some really um, vintage, cool, old school uh, cookies, um, pizzelles, um, biscotti, macaroon. Uh, she makes both kinds. She makes the coconut cookie kind, which are called macaroons, I think. And then the French one, um, it looks like a little uh, sandwich cookie is called macaron. Uh, so I learned that from her. 
And the other great thing about this book is that Mary is donating 100% of the proceeds to uh, two uh, charity programs that are uh, she's very closely involved with. Uh, one of them is called Hepzibah House, and the other one is Infant Welfare Society. And both of those programs help children in need. So the, those are, um, you can go more in detail on her website. I'll put the link in the show notes. Okay, there's a few things I want to talk about, and then I am going to give only YouTube recommendations this week because that's pretty much all I've been into uh, recently because I've been doing a lot of work in the sewing room and uh, I've been watching a lot of have have YouTube on in the background and watching it. So, um, oh, but before that, let me tell you a couple things I've ordered. I'm so excited about this. So um, you guys know of Kate in the last Homely House. Uh, she was on the show a few months back, and she has put together a Christmas box. And last week, every day of the week, there was a video of each component that goes into this Christmas box. And each item has been handmade by an artisan. It's so amazing. I had such a good time watching these videos and really got me excited about this box. <laughs> I had no idea that I was actually going to want to order one, but man, I I did. And she put them up for sale in her shop on um, Sunday, November 8th. Uh, I haven't checked the shop since then. I don't know if she sold out or not, but uh, you could go take a look. Um, and then I think um, soon she will be putting some, a couple of the individual items for sale in her shop. Um, maybe, I don't know. Don't, don't quote me on that. Uh, but um, there's, there's one thing that I really, really am looking forward to getting. And that is the, um, the wooden soap dish that was made by her son, John. And the video, see, knowing the background story makes things even that much more special. And they showed him making this soap dish. And he went through all of the things, like he made sure that the wood that he used was able to, to you know, get wet and not stain or get ruined. And so he chose this um, British elm wood. It's really pretty and it has like a, it reminds me of cherry wood because it has this really beautiful cathedral grain to it. And, uh, and then there's the design element. He made this really cool, uh, kind of a, um, curved, um, part on the back, on the bottom of the soap dish that really gives it a really nice design element and it doesn't look so boxy. Uh, and it's beautiful. So, um, and there's other things. There's this glass fusion. Um, uh, I think it's called a wish, a wish stick. I'm not sure, but it's beautiful. You can hang it up in your window. It could be an ornament. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, of course, the soap that she has made specifically for her shop by a local soap maker. Um, that's why they needed a soap dish <laughs> for the bar of soap that's coming with it. Uh, so there's all nice types of goodies in this box. It's it's expensive with the exchange rate from the pounds to dollars. So um, yeah, that's definitely um, a Christmas gift for me that I'm getting early. But you know what? I 
I would much rather have things that were handmade by people than, you know, just getting some mass produced item. I just, just for me, those are just more special to me. So I'm really excited about that. And then the other thing I ordered, which I'm not so sure why I did this, but, um, you know, I've been watching and catching up with Arne and Carlos and their YouTube channel and they, um, design knitting patterns, um, and on their website, and they also make designs for Rowan, which is a yarn. I'm not as well versed on the whole knitting world yet, but I know Rowan is the company um, that they they do designs for. And so they have this thing that's starting December 1st. It's kind of like a knit along, and they're Christmas balls. And there's, it's like an advent calendar type thing. So there's 25 total Christmas balls. They're really cute little, and they end up being like little ornaments stuffed with like, um, you know, polyester fiber fill, or you can stuff it with wool. Um, And they're beautiful. They're so cute. And so they put that on sale as well last week um, to their newsletter subscribers. So you got 20% off the pattern. It's very affordable. It's, it ended up being like, um, uh, just around $7, I think, for the pattern. So I I got that. And I was looking at it because I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. I mean, it's like knitting in the round. And there's this design as well that gets knit. I've never done that before. The only thing I've knitted were single yarn scarves and most recently the dishcloths that I was making. So on the pattern, they said it's for beginners, <laughs> And that you just need to know how to increase and decrease, which is what I learned in the the dishcloth pattern. Well, okay, so fine. I'm like, great, I'm going to give it a go. Then they have a link to the video uh, of this tutorial of the Christmas balls, because I guess this is something they've been making for years. So this tutorial is from 2015. And all of a sudden, I got frozen with fear (laughs) because... Arne was doing the tutorial. And of course, his tutorials are like done at the speed of light. So he knits so quickly. And he's like, oh, you just do this and you'd increase here and la 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 there. And all of a sudden, he goes from two knitting needles to four. And now he's got four that he keeps rotating from. And those four knitting needles create the four sides of the circle. So I understand the concept of it, but I totally do not understand how you transition from the one to the next, to the next, to the next. So um, I don't know. I'm a little bit, I'm I'm really uh, afraid that I might not be able to do it, but why, why would they put beginner on there? Why would they put beginner on the pattern if you can't do it? So if any of you guys are participating in this, um, Christmas balls knit along, please let me know. I, I, um, I need like all the support I can get on this so that I don't just dump it. <laughs> uh, because the pattern is not bad at all, but I just ordered the yarn that goes with making it. And that's a little bit of an investment. So that's actually going to help me to really give it a good try so that I use up this yarn and I don't like let the yarn just sit there. Hey there. All right, this is future me coming back in editing this video after the fact. And 
I found another tutorial video by Arne and Carlos on um, knitting Easter eggs, which is the same thing as these Christmas balls, but they're elongated so they look more like an egg. Well, Carlos did most of that tutorial. <laughs> he did a really good job and I get it now. I think I totally understand the whole five needle, four-sided needle, repeat the pattern on the four sides. And I I saw how he switches out the needle and goes on to the next one and starts the stitching on that one. So now I feel so much better, so much better. And if you guys need uh, an additional tutorial that's kind of slowed down and and um, like I did, um, I'll put a link to that Easter egg tutorial. It's really very, very good. Okay, bye. And so talking about YouTube, there are some things that I'll share with you. Uh, one of them is actually um, a direct um, link to help uh, with what I'm going to talk about in this episode, and that is choosing a sewing machine with confidence. So this YouTube channel, Suki Sews, S-O-O-K-I-E Sews, she does a comparison uh, of three Bernina Burnett sewing machines, and then she chooses one. And she chose one that I would not choose, but she chose the right one for her and her needs. And I would have chosen like the third one. But um, it's a very, it's a pretty good review. And she she gives you a good um, overview of the features of that machine. So I put a link to that in there in case you want to uh, research that for yourself. And something that I just kind of have on in the background is uh, Tales from the Coast. Uh, it's with Robson Green. And it's a UK show that's on YouTube. And um, it's similar to that other show that w um, had Susan. Um, Susan, I forgot her last name, Carlson, uh, where she went around Scotland. Well, this Robson Green goes around the entire UK of the coastal areas. And um, it's pretty cool. Uh, so I enjoyed having that on and learning more and more about the all the different coastlines of the UK. Uh, Arne and Carlos, of course, The Last Homely House. Um, and for card making, there's two channels. I already talked about Kay Werner Design, um, but I've been watching a lot of her recently because she's doing um, the holiday series of cards. So she she's doing the series all the way through, um, you know, probably mid-December. And she puts up videos on... I want to say Wednesday and Friday. It could be Monday as well, but I know Wednesdays. And then Fridays is the live. She does a live um, stream while she makes a card. She makes these absolutely gorgeous um, cards and uh, they're very artistic and uh, probably very ambitious to someone like me who's, you know, kind of just starting, but I just love watching them and I get new ideas and it makes me really want to like dive into that and, and, and make a card. Uh, the other one is Lisa Curcio and Lisa's stamp studio is her channel. Hers is different. And I like the, I like the difference between the two because her channel and she makes cards that you can do 
very easily. You can make a card in like a half an hour. Um, and there's not a lot to it. There's a lot of stamping going on and layering of cardstocks and stuff like that. So they're very different design aesthetics between the two. Um, but I've been watching those recently. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the main topic of this episode, which is choosing a sewing machine with confidence. I did an episode on things to consider before buying a sewing machine back on episode three. You can go back and listen to that episode. Um, And then I'm just going to kind of update that on this episode and really get into a bit more detail on um, the different types of features um, and to help you research for the sewing machine that's right for you. Just a quick side note, you may hear some construction work being done, but I have to have my window open because it's pretty warm in here. This is our very last warm day over 70 degrees. Tomorrow it's going to plummet down back to the 40s. This is the time of year where a lot of people will put sewing machines on their Christmas wish list. And uh, I have actually even seen a lot more posts in some of the Facebook groups that I'm in of people asking about what sewing machine they should get. Um, and of course that's like a Pandora's box. When you ask a question that general, uh, you are going to get 300 different answers with different types of machines. So I'm hoping to help you narrow down, um, that list and to help you decide, um, what machine is good for you because what's good for me is not good for somebody else. So uh, it's an investment and people are definitely fearful of making a mistake. Uh, So let's, uh, let's take a look at this. Um, The first thing is that whether you're buying a sewing machine for the very first time and you're a beginner or If you've been sewing for a while and you want to upgrade or update to a new machine, you still got to ask yourself these questions, which is, what is it that you want to sew? Are you sewing clothing? Are you so are you quilting only? Are you doing home deck projects? Um, Heavy duty, like making bags that have lots of layers of foam and interfacing um, cork and vinyl. Uh, or are you wanting to do machine embroidery? And of course, there's also the category of you want to do it all. <laughs> you want it all. So think about that. And also, how often do you plan to sew? You, if, if you're just doing this as a general hobby, that you will pull your machine out once in a while then you're definitely probably going to get a different type of machine than if you are gung-ho serious, you sew any opportunity, free time that you get. And this coincides with the how often you're going to sew and where you're going to sew. That also helps determine what size um, and weight of a sewing machine you get. Because if you have to have more of a portable machine where you're pulling it in and out of a closet, 
to like your dining table and then you have to put everything back away, you're probably not going to want to get like a 27 pound big, huge machine. And in those machines anyway, it's better really not to move them very often. Uh, the other thing is, what skill level do you want to accomplish? I I can tell you from experience that I have purchased machines that um, I outgrew almost immediately with, um, you know, getting my skill level um, past that. So, I mean, you don't, of course, want to overbuy and ha- have overkill features on the machine that you're never going to use. But also think about what it is. You know, if you if you think that you are going to start quilting soon, or you're going to, you know, try to add that to um, sewing clothes, um, then you got to factor that in. And even if you're not doing it right now. Um, if you're buying a sewing machine that you plan to have for the next 10 years, then that is something you have to factor in. Uh, and what features are important to you? Now, this is what I think stumps up a lot of people, including myself, uh, because what if you don't know? What if you really don't know what features um, that you should be looking for? Uh, because there's a lot In the next section, I will give you a good starting place as far as features go, and I've categorized them into three different categories, but uh, before I get there, let's just talk about this last uh, thing to um, prepare and ask yourself. The other thing is, of course, what is the realistic budget for you? That actually is going to narrow down um, even a bit more. You may not know where to start with budget, but it's always just good to start with something in mind. And then as you're looking at machines and you're researching and you're seeing what um, features come with certain price points, then you can adjust. And then you may even adjust your timeline because if you um, find the machine that's really going to be perfect for you uh, and it's got some features that you... um, will be happy with for um, however long you plan to keep the machine, then it's probably better if you wait and you save for the machine that you want than to invest in a machine that you're really not going to like, but you know, it, it was in the price range that you can do today. I don't know if that makes sense. I hope so, but I've done it. I I downsized my second sewing machine purchase, but this was also after my um, traumatic experience of buying um, a $1,000 machine that turned out to be a complete lemon. So I was very afraid to spend um, any amount of money <laughs> uh, to get another faulty machine. So uh, anyway, uh, then I, I realized that, you know, a certain level of machines with features are going to start at a certain price point. And that was actually the defining moment that I started my, um, I don't know what you would call it, obsession with sewing machines. And I learned as much as I could about the machines, about their features, about the different brands. And I feel much more confident uh, when I am in the market for a new machine. 
So those are the questions that you really want to ask yourself ahead of time. Uh, and only you can answer those questions. So before you go asking the whole world, what machine is good? What should I get? What should I use? What do you use? Blah, blah, blah. Just, just really kind of center and focus on what it is that's important to you first and what budget you're in and what features are important to you and um, how much do you want to expand your sewing skills and how often are you going to be sewing? The other thing is that I've kept this episode solely for sewing machines. So I'm not going to go into sergers or uh, machine embroidery machines. It's just going to be on sewing machines. Um, and that actually will encompass um, sewing clothing, uh, quilting, bags, home deck. So and what a sewing machine can do. So let's take a look at the different categories of sewing machines. I have narrowed the categories down to three types of machine categories. The first one is basic, no frills sewing machines. The second one is mid-range with some features. And the third one is advanced, fancy, all the bells and whistles category. And there's also what I consider three uh, categories or types of sewing machines. And these can fall within one, two, or all of the three categories of the features. So first of all, the simplest uh, machine type is mechanical. Mechanical is, you know, an electric machine that you plug in, um, but everything that you tell the machine to do is manual. Uh, it's not digital at all. So in order to increase or decrease the stitch width or length, you will turn a dial. Um, you will manually adjust the thread tension um, and uh, just um, any, any other things. I mean, it's just uh, really all manual. You will also probably have to oil um, mechanical machines. Not all of them, but some of them. So just be aware of that and don't be intimidated. Uh, oiling a machine is so easy and it's, it's not a big deal at all. And also, uh, mechanical machines are so much more low maintenance. So if you don't want to spend a hundred dollars every year on getting your machine, um, cleaned and um, maintenance, which means that the technician lubes up and oils the insides of your machine, mechanical might be good for you. The second type is uh, what I would call electronic. And uh, this is um, kind of in the middle. So um, it's not entirely mechanical, but there will be push buttons. There might be a really small um, LCD screen and um, you'll be able to push a button to increase or decrease the stitch length and width. Um, tension mm, will probably still be manual, um, but uh, it may be done through buttons versus um, like a dial. Um, and uh, there may be features in a digital machine that will give you 
um, thread cutter, variable speed control, that kind of thing. So that's the digital. And then the third type is fully computerized. So these are the machines that are completely bells and whistles and top of the line. They have all the features programmed into a computer that is inside that machine. So uh, they it will do automatic tension. It um, it can sense, um, some of them can sense the type of foot you put on. It can sense the type of stitch plate that's on. And it can warn you, how many times have you put um, a needle in and you forgot to switch out your straight stitch plate to the, um, you know, wider five, seven or nine millimeter plate to do a zigzag? And then you break that needle. <laughs> so those are that's kind of a nice feature in one of those computerized machines. But anyway, the computerized machines um, are, are very smart. It's like having a smartphone. They are also the most high-maintenance machines. So the high price tag does not stop with the purchase. Uh, it costs more for the technicians to service them. Uh, all of the accessories cost more. Um, so that's just something to be aware of. But um, I don't want that to be a deterrent either, because um, it is also an investment. And if you do a lot of sewing, a lot of quilting, um, I, I think that you will be quite pleased with how it performs um, versus um, some of the lower end models. Uh, it's just something to be aware of. So you're not surprised. Okay, so let's get into the features. The most basic models will have these basic features. Needle up, needle down. This feature you definitely need to look for. They they have this feature in the Brother CS6000i, which is a $180 machine. That feature is like a necessity, I think. So you press a button to tell the machine whether you want the uh, stitching when it ends. When you lift your foot off the foot pedal, the needle will stop down in the fabric. It will allow you to turn the fabric and pivot. Or if you're chain piecing, you'll just continue um, by putting the next um, set of um, pieces uh, uh, close to the foot, which will pull it through. Um, so that the needle down just helps the fabric stay into place and it won't lose its place uh, with the stitching line. The needle up is just the opposite. And when you're done stitching, then it will end with the needle um, in the raised position. And then you are easily able to take your fabric um, out from under the presser foot. A manual needle threader. That's pretty much going to be on, you know, most machines. A manual thread cutter, which is that little tiny um, thread cutter that's located on the side of the machine, the left side, that you just kind of wrap your thread around and it'll cut it. And nowadays, variable speed control is on a lot of machines, even the basic models. Uh, and variable speed control is where you can slide um, and control speed whether you could be really slow or you can slide it to a middle range speed 
or you can go all the way up to like full pedal to the metal speed. That's really nice to have as well because not every project um, does well with super fast sewing. Some stitches are do better if it's on a medium speed. Um, and then other ones, like if you're just doing straight stitching, then yeah, you just want to like, um, you know, press the foot pedal down and you want to go. So that's that's actually in a lot of um, machines. And the other thing that generally does come um, on base model machines is the one-step buttonhole. And it'll come with that button one-step buttonhole foot. Um, and it although you have to be careful because not all basic machines have it, but Brother is pretty good. It's it, it's definitely in that uh, CS6000i machine. The other, the, if you don't get a one-step buttonhole, then it's going to be a four-step buttonhole. And um, I don't even think I've ever done that. I've always... <laughs> I've always had a machine that just did the one-step buttonhole. So that's something that should be available on every, any machine at any price point. All right, so those are your basic bare bone features. And those can be found in the $180 price range and up. All right, the next category, which I think is the trickiest yet most popular category because the price point of these machines falls into a reasonable uh, price range. Um, and I even think that you could probably break this down into three low mid, um, mid to high mid range, but I'm not going to do that. We're just going to call this mid range and just know that um, the this can range from anywhere from like seven, $800 all the way up to $2,500. And um, the features that I'm going to list here for the mid range are what I think um, are the most popular looked for and the most useful um, for a, a mid-range sewing machine. There are many more features that will come in this mid-range um, price range. Uh, but um, if you have these main ones that I list, um, those are good. And, um, and then you can look for more based on what um, you think your needs are. Automatic thread cutter. Uh, it's the button with the little scissors that you press and it will automatically clip your threads. It's a feature that I have grown used to having and I really like it. Some people don't care. They, they have no opinion about it. So that is a very personal feature that you can decide whether you like it, want it, don't want it, don't care. Another one that's very personal is the knee lift. So I'm referring back to that one machine, the CS6000i brother, and that does not have a knee lift. So when my niece was over with her machine and um, I was showing her on that machine, like how to do this step, I was really missing the knee lift. <laughs> Because you have to reach for the actual presser foot lifter to lift anytime you wanted to turn direction or, you know, that sort of thing. So a knee lift is, for me, is a wonderful feature and it mimics it mimics a high-end feature of the auto pivot that's available on super fancy high-end machines. Does the same thing. The only thing is you're manually lifting it with your knee 
uh, without um, taking your hands off of your project. Uh, another mid-range feature is at least seven-inch harp space, um, and that is the space to the right of the needle. Uh, so I'm going to refer back to that CS6000i. I think it only has about four, four and a half inches of space to the right of the needle. It's super narrow. But if you're only going to sew clothing, then that's perfectly adequate. If you're going to do quilting and if you're going to do quilt bigger than a baby size quilt, you're going to want a little bit more space. So think about that. Think about the space to the right of the needle. Um, I, a, a decent amount of space is at least seven inches. If you're a serious quilter, you're going to want 10 inches of space. Uh, but we'll get to that. Okay. And then let's talk about speed. Uh Speed is another thing that I ended up learning about as I um, upgraded machines and um, got, and as my skills progressed. So I really um, I like speed. I li I like machines that have at least a thousand to fifteen hundred stitches per minute. But on mid range machines, you're gonna get stitches that are you're going to want 800 stitches per minute or more. 800 stitches per minute is very, very good. Um, so I I would say under 800 stitches is where I really notice that it's lacking in some power. Uh, because um, there's, and I don't want to get too technical either, because, you know, then like all of you are going to drop off <laughs> this podcast if you haven't already, because this is very technical information. And I understand that it's overwhelming. So I'm trying to present this in a succinct, um, direct way as possible. So with anyway, um, the, um, Machine sizes, sometimes you'll hear it's um, a three-quarter machine or it's a full-size machine or it's a half. And some of that sometimes has to do with the, the size of the motor and the strength of the sewing machine motor. So um, that does end up being important. But if there's a machine that's sewing at least 800 stitches per minute, I think it's going to be more um, of a full-size motor. Um, so that's just a easy way to determine, um, the power, uh, capabilities of the sewing machine. Okay. And there are lots more features, but I narrowed this down to the most used features, um, and the features that, uh, are most commonly, um, looked for. All right. And the third set of features is the advanced or high-end features to look for. Um, because, again, if you don't pay attention to some of the details, you could be spending a lot of money on a machine and it doesn't even have this feature. It's true. I'm telling you, it just, it happens. They're not, they're not all created equal. <laughs> so um, here are some advanced features to look for. And one of them is dual feed. Different manufacturers call it different things. So Bernina and Faf call it dual feed. Dual feed is where there's a little lever behind your um, presser foot 
that will you you pull down and it snaps onto the back of your presser foot and it has a little um, feed dog. So it, it creates a feed dog on top of your fabric and you have the feed dogs underneath your fabric um, in the machine. So it will pull your fabrics through more evenly and at the same time. If you don't have this dual feed feature or you've never tried a machine with it, uh, once you experience it, you will never ever go back from it because um, it, it, you'll know what I'm talking about. When you're sewing in a machine that does not have dual feed, um, the fabric has a tendency to like fishtail on you and you have to spend a lot more effort on um, directing that fabric through your machine to, to get a straight, even seam. So the dual feed just completely almost eliminates the need to do that. It really like makes your sewing um, process uh, a lot easier. Uh, so that is the dual feed on other machines um, like the Juki. It is called smart feed. Uh, and uh, so something feed is what it's going to be called. <laughs> so look for that on advanced features. That's kind of like my number one on that list. And another high end feature is called the auto pivot. And the auto pivot is where um, the presser foot will lift automatically just a little bit so that you can turn your fabric without taking your hands off of it. And, and then when you uh, press on the presser foot a little bit, it'll go back down and then you can resume your sewing. It really automates the process of sewing clothing, bags, quilts, whatever you're working on you'll use that. Um, but again, the knee lift feature kind of does the same thing, only you're using your, um, I don't know why they call it knee lift. I guess it's close to your knee, but you're really using your leg <laughs> to, to push the, the lever. But it, it almost becomes like a second nature thing, just like driving where you're pressing the accelerate gas pedal or the brake, you're, you're moving your leg to the right to lift your presser foot. But the pivot feature, the auto pivot feature is kind of cool on the high-end sewing machines. So you definitely should look for that if you want to um, upgrade to, you know, a super fancy machine. And then the other thing is the 10-inch uh, plus harp space. And that's, again, the space to the right of the needle. Um, these machines, especially uh, Quilters Edition, will have at least 10 inches of space, which is plenty. Some of them will even have 12 inches, uh, which is just, I mean, luxurious. It really is. It's just luxurious to have that much space to the right of your needle. Uh, so those are the four super advanced features that I thought would be, you know, kind of the most needed um, there's so many more. I mean, I'll just mention a few more high-end features that are really nice to have. And um, there are, um, well, I know Bernina and Juki, they have programmed um, uh, features in the foot pedal. 
So when you press down on the top of the foot pedal, of course, it's going to start stitching. But the back of the foot pedal with your heel, if you press on your heel, the Juki machines, like for instance, the TL2010Q um, and some of their other models, that will engage the thread cutter. And this is purely preference because I've, I've seen people comment that they don't like that and they always, you know, cut their threads accidentally. And sometimes I do too, but I really love having it more than not having it. It's, it's so convenient and you get used to having it. Bernina doesn't have that in their foot pedal. What they've put in the foot pedal is um, a presser foot lift. So if you um, click on the, the your heel down, it will um, lift or lower uh, the presser foot um, and the needle will go down. And, however you have it programmed. There are so many things that you can program in high-end machines as well. You can program it to, to not... Um, the thread at the beginning and at the end of stitches. You can not program how many knots, you know, to do. Um, the I also love that the stitch length and width is adjustable by like, I don't even know what you call it, like the tenth of a millimeter. <laughs> so uh, the um, lower end machines will just go from like a 2.5 to a 3.0. Um or it goes from two, yeah, 2.5 to 3.0. But on these higher end machines, you can go 2.6, 2.7, 2.8, you know, on and on, like a steps up like that. And I actually use that a lot um, for stitch lengths. And like I said earlier, there's all of these program sensors sensing um, if the bobbin is getting low on thread, uh, sensing um, thread tension, sensing what foot or foot stitch plate you're using. Those are um, <laughs> pretty easy to get used to as well. They're very nice. Some machines will will have even other things like a laser that projects a laser line down to where your seam um, you want to stitch your seam at, like where you where you line your fabric up against. So, you know, we're all used to putting down the washi tape at, um, you know, three eighths of an inch on our machine because it's not all the plates are marked that way. Well, I know Baby Lock and Brother and their high end machines have this laser that you can program three eighths or whatever. That's kind of a nice thing. Um, to have. And then there's overkill ones that um, I don't know, I don't need like the camera in the machine. There's cameras and that's used a lot with uh, machine embroidery. So I mean, it's it's just endless. It just goes on and on and on with high-end machines. So um, again, just be aware of it and pick and choose the ones that mean the most to you and that you'll use the most and uh, you'll be pretty happy. And these high-end type machines will cost around starting at probably $4,500 all the way up to $20,000. Yes, Baby Lock, uh, and I'm sure Bernina has one too, but they, they have a $20,000. That's the one with the, the Baby Lock has the one with the camera <laughs> and the laser and all that in it. That's why you got to pick your features uh, to fit your budget range. 
So let's talk a little bit about research. I think the best way to get the most accurate information on a sewing machine is on the manufacturer's website. And um, they all have uh, the current models and specifications. you have to look at the, um, there might be some technical specifications, but you will find um, the speed, stitches per minute. Um, you'll find uh, out everything about that machine. And um, so that's where I always start first. I just want to say that, you know, everything on this episode, of course, is purely my opinion and um, through experience, through the years of what I have um, dealt with as far as purchasing the wrong machine for me <laughs> uh, and um, not getting the proper service uh, from a dealer to getting great service from a dealer. And um, so there's just um, there's a lot of like heartache that you can prevent by doing your homework um, first. Don't rely upon other people. And even the people who know, who are experts at the machine that they're selling, don't rely upon them to choose the right machine for yourself. So yeah, the manufacturer websites is the first place that I go to just to see um, what you know, what the current products are. That's another reason why it's good to go to the manufacturer websites because you can see um, what models are still available. And you might have known about a model five years ago and think that, you know, maybe you have to get that one, but it's been retired, discontinued. The other thing that you can see on some manufacturer websites is their... um, suggested retail price. And a lot of times that's not the sell price, but uh, it can give you an idea of the price range. Um, it's I don't, This is what I don't like about this um, industry is that the pricing is just so such a big secret. And manufacturers give dealers like full autonomy to price it uh, within, I mean, they'll may, they may have a minimum advertised price rule, but um, so I know the price will vary from um, shop to shop and location to location. But we, I mean, we really need to have an idea of the level of investment that these machines are going to cost. So I do appreciate, you know, Bernina posts the their suggested prices on there. Juki does. Uh, baby lock I don't think they do they, all they do is put like the uh, restaurant menus they'll put like one out of four dollar signs or three out of four dollar signs so I mean that's not that helpful um, I would just rather you just put the suggested manufacturer price and then I am much better equipped when I go into a, a dealer and then I don't get sticker shock um, and, and I don't like go after, try to like, you know, get my, um, site set on a machine that, uh, I, I can't afford or don't want to pay that price for. Another good resource that I like to go to is a website called sewing, um, well, it's patternreview.com and I'll put the link to, to that. 
Uh, there are a lot of reviews of sewing machines on this website, and these these are these reviews are from people who own and use that specific type of machine, and they will put reviews up there. Then there are forum discussions, and um, somebody may ask a question. Oh, does this machine have this feature? I don't understand what this feature means. So then you could, you'll get like, again, 50 different answers, but that website is not tied to any single type of sewing machine. So you're going to get a more objective um, answer and information from people and people are giving you information from their own experience because they might have that particular machine or they maybe have had it. So I find that a little bit more reliable than in a Facebook group that's dedicated to only one specific type of machine. The Facebook groups that have um, that are specific to a single type of machine are really good if you really are serious about like, yeah, I think I'm leaning towards this machine and I think I might might get it. Those are good groups to go into because then everyone in there uses that specific type of machine. Um, I've seen people go into those groups and, and say, oh, I'm looking at this other brand of machine. And then immediately everybody's like, why would you do that? You got to get this machine. Yeah, this machine, this machine is the one to do. So um, yeah, don't go into a specific group. And um, for instance, like don't go into a brother group and say, oh, I'm thinking of getting a, a Janome machine. You know, they're going to be like, no, you got to get this brother blah, blah, blah machine. I think YouTube is a great place to research uh, potential sewing machines. Uh, you get to see uh, the sewing machine. Um, a lot of people do unboxings. I actually did an unboxing <laughs> when I got my uh, Bernina 780. Uh, but uh, I, I do like to see that. And then you can see um, everything that is included in the box, uh, what uh, sewing feet are included. And then there are some dealers that put up some really good videos. One of them is Heirloom Creations. I think um, the this person, I, I forget her name. I want to say it's Sarah, uh, but she's so good. And she must sell like a, a bunch of different lines of sewing machines because she, she has videos up there from Bernina, um, uh, lots of different vendors, and she does really short videos just on one single thing, like winding the bobbin on this model machine. Uh, so Heirloom Creations is a really good um, YouTube channel to look for sewing machine information. Um, I've seen a couple of other vendors on there. They're, they're starting to come on more and more onto YouTube uh, with informational and educational videos on the sewing machines. All right. And then in this last part, I'm just going to go over just like some miscellaneous things. Um, and one of them is LED lights. So a lot of uh, machine manufacturers really kind of tout that, you know, oh, we've got like, you know, 20 LED stadium light system in here. Um, but 
you know, let's say that that's the difference between this, you know, super expensive machine versus this mid-range one that you're looking at that has like two LED lights in it. Don't let that stop you because now you can get for $10 on Amazon an LED strip light that is like a sticker. You peel it off and it's an adhesive and it will just light up that sewing bed like, you know, it was built in. So I don't put too much uh, stock into like the LED light feature. And especially now because of what I experienced with my serger earlier this year, because the LED lights are are out in that machine. And um, I went, there's a, a runaround from, you know, the technician to the dealer to the manufacturer, um, conflicting information. It was just like not enjoyable to go through. And I just, um, for the time being, I, I just bought a $10 LED light strip, but um, there's definitely something wrong. So LED lights are on their own circuit board and that's a whole nother electronic component that can go wrong and can be a pricey thing to replace. All right, so um, there's one other thing that is just out there that I kind of wanted to toss out there to you guys. If you're looking at Juki machines, there is um, machines that have QVP at the um, end of their names, and those are only sold by dealers and they're not even like any dealer can sell those. They're like some sort of like certified a level of dealerships that get to sell these machines. And these machines can be the exact same model as a machine that you can buy uh, online. Um, the difference would be that there are extra accessories included in the QVP machine that you buy from the certified dealer. So, um, and that's kind of a nice thing. I think that uh, Dookie is trying to um, kind of give you a value um, for going to a certified dealer and you're getting more for your money and you're getting these extra accessories. Um, and I've seen some videos on YouTube from QVC, QVC, <laughs> QVP dealers. And, um, the ones that I saw are really good. And, uh, these, uh, the dealer was very knowledgeable and, um, pretty passionate about those sewing machines and the features and everything. So I'm actually, I'm personally a fan of Juki. Uh, I think it's a pretty reliable machine. I have the straight stitch Juki 2010, uh, TL 2010Q. And uh, it's a mechanical straight stitch machine. It is in the mid-range price range, I would say. And it's a very sturdy, very reliable, low-maintenance machine. And I love it. And they have... Um, they have some really nice um, sewing machines that are in the low to medium to high range. And their high range machine, their their latest and greatest um, 
I don't know the exact name of it, but if you go to their website, you will see this machine. It has almost, <laughs> almost, not all, but it has a lot of the same features that a high-end Bernina machine has, and it is a fraction of the price. So I I would not discount Juki if you want a high-end machine, but you just you just can't pay like a five-digit price for it. Um, and um, another thing that is always out there is the brother baby lock and Janome machines. And they all seem like they're sort of like the same machine, but they have different manufacturer names on there. And they're made by the same manufacturer. So they are made by the same manufacturer, but they're not, it's not apples to apples. So each manufacturer, like for instance, baby lock, has their own specifications to build. So the factory that makes these machines makes them to baby lock specifications, but of course they're going to have similar parts. Um, And then Janome has their own specifications and Brother has their specifications. So yeah, they might be made in the same factory, but they are not the exact same machine. So that's always something that's always like kind of um, discussed out in the sewing, sewing universe. Oh, and don't forget to um, inquire with uh, dealers. A lot of times they will have retired models or trade-ins when people upgrade their machines. You could get a really good deal on a good machine, a machine that you normally would not spend the money for brand new, but uh, can certainly get it, um, uh, you know, as a trade-in value. Uh, And dealers will have it serviced and working in proper condition. And I really love that um, the Bernini that I got from my dealer uh, is a retired model, but they, um, I guess that it had just been so lightly used that they sold it to me as a new machine and they gave me the full warranty. Uh, so that was pretty awesome. So don't discount that and um, nothing wrong with uh, take, getting a retired model of a machine. All right. So I hope that this episode has been helpful to you, especially if you are in the market for a new sewing machine and uh, take a look at the show notes. I'll have a lot of links in there and um, oh my gosh, sorry, but I just had to close the window. We have all of a sudden this like horrific storm uh, that like feels like a tornado out there literally so okay sorry (laughs) um yeah so check out the show notes for the links to the manufacturers and um, other information you can also um comment on the post if you have any questions um or comments um and i'll help you in any way that i can because i love sewing machines and I um, I like for people to be able to find the perfect sewing machine for them. 
Uh, and I know it's a, a challenging thing to do, but it can be done. And I know the feeling when you get a machine that you absolutely love. So, um, yeah, I've got, I've got two of those. I absolutely love my Juki straight stitch machine. And, and I do love my Bernina even though it is a bit of a diva machine because it's highly computerized. It just, it just has some really cool advanced features that I actually use, have grown to get very used to them and it makes my sewing experience um, so much more fun. All right. And there's just one more thing before I go. Uh, don't discount the Burnett series of Bernina. Those are super affordable machines uh, where you're going to get Swiss uh, engineering quality and um, some pretty good features. So check out that Bern uh, Burnett video that I um, have a link for uh, where Suki Sews did a comparison of those three models. Um, and uh, yeah, so um, everyone have... Uh, a beautiful day and upcoming weekend. Uh, also, uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast with whatever platform you're listening on. If you're on Apple iTunes, uh, you can leave a review for the show so it will help um, visibility for other people looking for a, you know, sewing quilting podcast show. And um, also check out my Patreon page. You can help support the show uh, through monthly um, subscriptions and you'll get a bonus podcast episode every month. Okay, I will talk to you next time. And uh, the next episode will be on American Thanksgiving Day, the 26th. And I have a really great guest, Sandra Johnson. Happy sewing and quilting, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Make and Decorate podcast. The podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Stephanie Socha. Until next time, have a great day. Bye.